7 a.m. in Los Angeles, 10 a.m. in Cornwall, Connecticut, 3 p.m. in London, in Mumbai, India, it's 7.30, which is weird, but it is. And in Kyoto, Kyoto, Japan, it is 11 p.m. Here in Malaysia, it's 1994. Ooh, we're getting up in the world. <laughs> I'll explain why in a minute. I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird about Mumbai? I, I just found that out. It's like a half hour. You know, everything is... Greenwich Mean Time, plus one, plus two, plus eight, whatever. For some reason, they have a, an extra or a half hour less. And I don't know why. I'm very bright and red tonight, aren't I? I don't know why. It's weird. Uh, anyway, you'll, you'll live with it. Hello and welcome across the four corners of the planet we call Earth. We are live on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Jay Sheldon Malaysia over there. Please subscribe. Uh, Twitch.tv, rumble.com slash Jay Sheldon is where you will find uh, our other live stream. We are live on Rumble. And we are, of course, also a podcast. And welcome to all our podcast listeners. And we truly from my heart of hearts, appreciate it very much. All the downloads, hundreds of downloads, which is amazing. You know what, let me just bump that light down a little bit because it is kind of annoying. Wow, there, a little better. Okay, uh, yeah, so anyway, our podcast, the audio portion only of our show, which goes out about a half hour or less after we're done with the live stream. Same show, just... Uh, just the sound. And if you'd like, if you're listening on the podcast, because a lot of what we do is visual, uh, you can check out our live rebroadcast. All of our episodes are on rumble.com slash Sheldon. You'll find us there. And by the way, we are in the middle of doing a quickie little promotion on our podcast with Debbie Wright, who does her own podcast, which is called Never Too Late. And before the podcast uh this podcast you've been listening to now, you hear the little promotion for Debbie. But do check her out because she's got a great podcast over there. She's been through some amazing stuff. Uh, Debbie, who I believe, I'm not sure where, but she's from the U.S. And um, yeah, we have a little cross promotion going between the two of us. So please do wherever you're listening to your podcast. Just search for Debbie Wright, Never Too Late and check out her podcast. She does a great job. Uh, we are also, by the way, our podcast can be found on verbal.com. It's a little weird spelling. It's V-U-R-B-L, V-U-R-B-L.com. You can sign up and uh, it's free, of course. And any place you find your podcast, you'll find us. All right. What else is going on here? I don't know. My Rumble account seems a bit screwy. I don't know why, but... I'm there anyway, so uh, <laughs> we'll see why. I have no idea. Uh, it's still happening, and uh, yeah. Oh, no, I think we're all right. Okay. Huh. That being the case, we got all of our business out of the way. That means it's time. Miko Update. <laughs> Miko Update. Oh, my goodness, Jim Brage. Oh, no. 
<laughs> hey, Jim, good to see you. Oh, man, I'm so glad you finally caught a stream. Uh, yeah, and Jim says, I have some photos you need to see. Oh, my goodness. Okay, before we get to our Miko update, I have to tell you, because Jim is in the joined us for the live stream tonight. Thank you, Jim. Um, Jim is a dear, dear friend, and I use that word sparingly, uh, from the U.S. He's a crazy guy. We don't agree on a lot of things, but we're still good. We agree to disagree. We're still good friends, no matter what. Here's to you, buddy. And uh, it is it is amazing that uh, that you're here. But anyway, I first started live streaming on the internet in the 80s. Yes, the 80s, late 80s, 90s. Uh, let me let me describe to you. I had on my jshelton.com website, which now is just a placeholder website. Um, I had a live cam set up in my bedroom. No, not for what you think. But whenever I worked on the computer, whenever I was there, it was just sitting right about here, right where this one is. And I would just be working and it would just, but this was before the days of live streaming. I mean, remember, this was 20, 30 years ago. So before the days of live streaming, it would take a screen capture, just a still image, and it would update it about every 60 seconds. And that was the 80s version of a live cam. <laughs> yeah, those were the days. Uh, that is long gone. Obviously, right now we're sitting here live across four different platforms talking to people. But um, we are uh, back in those days. I would occasionally forget that that camera was live 24-7, even when I wasn't on the website working on my laptop or something. That camera was every 60 seconds uploading a picture. And that means occasionally when I forgot to move out of the way of the camera and I was getting dressed, yes, there would be, um, man. <laughs> yeah. There are a few pictures that probably shouldn't be out there. Apparently, Jim has them, and he has been threatening them. He's been threatening me with them for the last 20 over years. So far, I haven't paid the ransom, but one day I'm afraid I'm going to have to. <laughs> All right, so that, that, is our, uh, <laughs> that is our story behind Jim's pictures. Walk of shame. Yeah, exactly right. Okay, hang on a sec, because I got to share something with you. We're supposed to be doing a Miko update. <laughs> Miko's doing great, okay? But she did have some excitement today. And this was the excitement. Before I play this, hang on, let me just get my mouse uh, back. Here we go. You, this is my front porch, my wind chimes and things. This is my front door. And right here, you see that? That is, well, it, technically it's a shrew, but I call it a scrat because it it doesn't, it's kind of the Malaysian squirrel, but it's not really a squirrel. It really does look like scrat from Ice Age, like a cross between a rat and a squirrel. Miko in Shiba Inu's heritage, that's what they were bred for, to chase small game like this. One, she always chases them in the yard, but this one got caught and raced 
up this gate and was stuck on the top. And it's a very short little video clip. Let me just play it for you here. She, I don't have the audio, but she's the, the little scrat is screaming. Now watch this. She jumps down. There's Miko. Bonk! Hits the gate. Takes off. Miko can't figure out what's going on. And she... She completely missed the scrat. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, she missed it. No, there's some of my bonsai. <laughs> so anyway, that was Miko's big excitement today. She got to actually chase a scrat. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. It, it, it happened again. This was a few days ago. It just happened again today, but I didn't have my camera rolling. Oh, by the way. Did you see this? Tonight's moon. Look at this. I took this shot. It's, it's not a great shot because my camera phone is not very good. But the crescent moon here. Hang on. Let me get my mouse back. The crescent moon. That's not a lens flare. That's actually a line of clouds. Maybe a gent stream, but it's a cloud line. The crescent moon with whatever. I'm sure it's not a star. It's got to be a planet. I don't know enough about astrology, but this was incredible. And strangely enough, if you think about it, the star and the crescent moon, it's kind of like a reverse of the Malaysian flag because we have that the 14-point star with the crescent moon in our flag. Other than that, it looks very much like the U.S. flag. But uh, yeah, this was amazing. Absolutely incredible clear night. Yeah, more moons, Jim. <laughs> All right, smart guy. That's enough from you. <laughs> Unbelievable. Hang on, coffee time. Mm. By the way, if you want to pick up your Miko merchandise, we've got uh, Miko's face on the front and our show logo on the back. You can get coffee cups, mouse pads, hats, hoodies, T-shirts. Just go to twitch.tv slash J Sheldon, no pants, I think, and check out the about section. You'll find our merchandise, our Miko merch over there. I am well, Jim. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I cannot tell you how good it is to hear from you. All right. I promised you a collection of crap tonight. And that's exactly what we have. Usually I pick out one particular topic that pissed me off or upset me or whatever. And uh, you know what, there was, when I looked at it today and I looked at what I wanted to talk about, there was so much junk out there, I realized it's just a giant collection of crap, which is usually what this show is all about. Uh, so <laughs> we're going to just jump right into it. This is an amazing headline from the Malay Mail. Uh, it'll be in our show notes. You can check it out. <laughs> uh We've been under all kinds of weird lockdowns because of the virus here in Malaysia. And you can do this, you can't do that, and you've, you've been vaccinated, you can eat in the restaurants and all this other mumbo-jumbo. But um, <laughs> one of the things we have not been able to do is we have 14 states in Malaysia. And we, are, we have not been able, in some cases, we weren't able to cross districts within those states now that's opened up. And then what the government here has said is that uh, if we hit, I think it's 90% vaccinated, uh, then they will open up cross-state travel. And we're at like 
89 point something. I mean, they're just taking this carrot and dangling it right in front of our noses. Better get vaccinated. If you want to interstate travel, you want to see your family. Anyway, I'm not going to go any further with that. But that's basically where we're at. We're almost able to cross state lines. By the way, can you imagine if this was in the U.S.? <laughs> that would be that would be a nightmare. Yeah, people actually stand up for their rights there, mostly. But anyway, this headline appeared in the Malay Mail. Plus, which is our highway system here, says traffic expected to increase when interstate travel resumes. <laughs> and in other news, water is wet. And in other other news, the sky is blue. And in other 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 news, fire is hot. Yeah, imagine that. Traffic expected to increase. What in slow news day, Malay Mail? I mean, seriously. Really? <laughs> yeah, Jim, you're right. It's nuts enough. Please. <laughs> you're exactly right. Oh, man. I'll tell you, I, I told you before, I've been much more active on Twitter lately. And um, I have been engaging a bit more with my tweets, my retweets. I read uh, all the tweets every day. I subscribe to a bunch of people. If you'd like, please follow me on Twitter at It's J. Sheldon, I-T-S J. Sheldon. Follow me. I follow everybody back who follows me. And uh, thank you for the... Uh, we've gotten quite a few extra followers here. But um, yeah, so anyway, I, I keep up on a lot of the happenings in the U.S. And it's just, like you said, Jim, it's nuts. Whatever side of the argument you're on, it's nuts. All right. Uh, from the Facebook page, Unbelievable Facts. This is amazing. I told you, tonight is just a collection of crap. I got all kinds of things. None of them are connected, and none of them are any big, heavy-hitting big deals. But they're all interesting. I thought I would share. Check this out. True story from Unbelievable Facts page on, on uh, Facebook. Charles... Goghin, I believe is how you pronounce it, the chief baker aboard the RMS Titanic helped women and children board lifeboats, even forcibly in some cases boarding those who thought it would be safer to stay on the ship. He drank a half a tumbler of liqueur and threw around 50 deck chairs overboard so they could be used as flotation devices for the people who were in the water, not in the life rafts. He actually rode the side of the ship as it went down and was the last survivor to leave the Titanic, but not before he helped innumerable women and children into lifeboats, gave up his own seat in the lifeboat and rode the ship down as she sank. And it says here he was actually a survivor uh, one of the last to leave the RMS Titanic. An amazing story, but here's a thought for you. Ask yourself this question, because when did the Titanic sink? Early 1900s, I think? I don't actually know the date. If something like that happened today, would you do what Mr. Goggin did? 
Do you have the wherewithal? The chutzpah? There's a phrase most Malaysians don't know. At 1912, I think you're about right, Jim. Um, would you have what it takes? Would you have the cojones to do what he did? Attitudes these days are quite different than they were in around 1912. I have to say that I would probably believe that a lot of... I would, you're, I would like to think that I'm an honorable man and I would do that. Jim, I know you and I know you are too. And I'd like to think you would too. Um, but I got to tell you, from the things I see and read in social media these days, I'm not so sure that's a larger percentage of people, sadly. But there we are. Okay, uh, moving up, moving on. This is kind of interesting and kind of inspirational. So I really had to share this tonight. Breaking the generational curse. If you have kids, especially young kids, this is, this is for you. Um, quit yelling at your kids before they go to bed and expect them to sleep well. Quit yelling at your kids in the morning, right after they wake up, before school, and still expect they're going to have a good day. We set the tone for our children. You set the tone for your voice that they will always remember in their heads. My mom is still alive, and yours may or may not be. But if you sit quietly and you think about your mom or your dad talking to you, you can remember the tone of their voice when they did. They will always remember the tone of your voice. You'll become their inner voice. Don't be their inner critic. Speak life, speak love, speak the truth, speak bravery, speak kindness, and speak hope. Speak wisdom and truth. But most of all, listen to your children. And remember, they're listening to you. Some very important words. And related to that, I found this, which is from, uh, it's been reposted. Tim Fernandez originally posted it on Facebook. But um, amazing, amazing words. And related to what we just talked about. I don't want to get too heavy here, but uh, yeah. Uh, Kelvin, a friend of mine, has uh, reposted this because it's well worth it. There is no shortcut to things. We need to educate our children and rid this idea of instant gratification. You have to put in the work and the time. You can't work hard for six months and expect your reality or your results to endlessly reward you. That isn't how the world works. You must sow before you reap. And sowing doesn't mean you get it right the first time. Sowing doesn't mean hard work for a short period of time. Sometimes sowing means falling forward, learning to do things better, and that could take years. It also means that you develop sensibility, understanding, tenacity, to unlearn, reflect, 
test apply as your life unfolds. The reaping part of all this is the effect of learning how to sow. There is so much to this process that, process that makes a person. So when you see someone genuinely accomplished in life, there's very likely a story of how he or she has effectively learned to sow. That's the dignity that holds everything together. Summing this up, one of my favorite lines by Denzel Washington, ease is the greater threat to progress than hardships. Fall, and this is a very famous Japanese saying, fall down seven times, get up eight. Nice. From Tim Fernandez. Very cool. We like that a lot. Cool, cool, cool. All right. Uh, let's see. What else did we find here to share with you tonight? By the way, happy Saturday. The weekend's here. Yay. For some of you on the uh, U.S. side of things, your weekend's just beginning. For us, half of it's gone already. It's Saturday night here. Um, and this is weird. Uh, Facebook banned words. Now, this applies more to people who might do advertising on Facebook, but you should keep this in mind when you're doing your Facebook post too. You know that fake whistleblower we all talked about, uh, it's some buffalo sandwich BS crap they put out there. And, uh, you wanna see some whistleblower stuff? Go to projectveritas.com. There's some cool video. <laughs> uh, and thanks uh, James O'Keefe for the amazing work that you do. Um, I should share some of that stuff. Maybe we'll do that sometime. The latest one is pretty impressive. Uh, let's see. Okay, Facebook banned words. These are words you might have used hundreds of times, but you had no clue that Facebook indicates them an indicator of low-quality content. You know, the Facebook algorithms are about as screwy as screwy can be, and it's just getting worse but there are certain words the algorithms pick up on when you post and they will significantly lower your reach and drag the algorithm down, drag your reach down. Now again, if like me, you promote things, I've got a couple of shows on Facebook, uh, Urban Jungle Food, Random Acts, are shows that I created and, and our company uh, produces, but um, Check them out, by the way. They're on Facebook and YouTube. Random Acts Malaysia and Urban Jungle Food. Very cool shows. I think you'll like them. Subscribe, please. <laughs> okay, so anyway, if you're aware of these words and you know how to replace them, you can somewhat maybe beat the algorithm, reach more pers uh, perspectives, maybe possible clients, or just your friends. And um, again, these are very small. I don't think you can probably read them on the screen. Uh, they're a little bigger on my monitor, so I'll help you out here and uh, read. Oh, man, they're even smaller there. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, in, uh, uh, avoid using these words. Sale, percent off, order, discount, buy, markdown, coupon, as opposed to, and the words that would be helpful for you to use, are things like get it, grab it, 
Don't lose this. Very action-oriented. Snag it. Score this. Gift idea. Fill your bag. My house needs this. These are very sales-oriented. But, you know, hey, if you're in the sales business online, giving you a little help here, doing you a little favor. Lowest I've seen and one-fourth taken off instead of, you know, percentage discount. Hmm. And they have changed the way they they do their algorithms. So these uh, will help. If you want to check this out, where can I... Uh, Ashwin Thomas has publicly shared this. So go to Ashwin Thomas's uh, page and you can check out all the details. Again, you got to zoom in and check out because this list goes on and on. But they're they're quite good and quite extensive. So like I said... If you're just making your own private posts or if you're uh, selling something or promoting something, keep those in mind because beating that algorithm is uh, something else. (laughs) Have you heard about the, um, again, we're switching topics just like that. Nothing's related here. There's no cute segues. We're just going boom, boom, boom from all different directions. (laughs) And I'm drinking coffee. All right. I don't know if you have seen it. I've seen a few headlines. I haven't seen any sort of explanation as to why. But apparently there are cargo ships backed up around all the seaports on the East Coast, on the West Coast of the U.S. Don't know why. Don't know what the story is behind it. But people are starting to realize some shortages for some things in the stores. And they are thinking that that's related to these, for whatever reason, cargo ships that are not being allowed to dock. Don't know the full story. Don't want to guess. But one of the things that they have begun to talk about, hang on before we continue with this. Jim says, can't stay much longer. Perhaps a future topic of weird news. Check out Newell Joyner and George Hopkins. You'll find an article about the Devil's Tower. And then get back to me. (laughs) I will do that, Jim. I'll make a note and I will do that specifically. All right. So back to our uh, back to our shortages here. Um, Guess who just stopped by the studio? Oh, and now she's walking out. (laughs) Miko was here. I thought I could get her up on the stream, but apparently she doesn't want to. She has an attitude. All right. Because of these so-called shortages going on. I want to see the pics. (laughs) I knew you'd say that. I knew you'd say that. I was waiting for you to pop in. (laughs) All right, Serena. (laughs) Just watching that on the news. Cat food, who knew? (laughs) All right. Oh, man, how am I supposed to do this show with you guys back and forth in the chat? I'm going to ignore that for a minute. (laughs) Okay, shortages for Christmas, perhaps, we don't know. But there is chit-chat and there is some, you know, people trying to spread the panic about there not being enough supplies for Christmas and all that stuff. So I saw this post from Maddie Mulderig and... uh, I thought I would share this with you because it's rather interesting and rather poignant. We talk about this a lot on this show, how you should buy local. 
buy from the mom and pop shops, not from the big people. Uh, Jeff Bezos has enough of your money. He doesn't need any more. The news has everyone in a frenzy, stating that we may need to purchase Christmas gifts now because come mid-November, there won't be anything left. Now, this mostly applies, I believe, to folks listening in the U.S. Uh, well, here's a novel idea. Actually, sadly, it shouldn't be novel, but I guess it is. Maybe we shouldn't worry about the material things. Grateful for the gift of family, gift of friends, our health, a warm home, food on the, on the table, memories. The list goes on and on of what we have to be grateful for. And those things, for the most part, don't come with a price tag. Maybe this is God's way of telling us it's time for a good, old-fashioned Christmas. Not a bad idea. Don't, there you go, Jim. Don't buy, make something. Brilliant. Yeah. Don't buy, make something. I'll tell you what, some of the best gifts I've received were handcrafted things that folks have made and uh, given to me. Yeah. But seriously, Amazon doesn't need your money. Walmart doesn't need your money. They've got enough. If you're going to buy something, buy it from the mom and pop shops. Um, if you're not sure what, I suggested in our last show, maybe gift certificates. Yeah, imagine that, Jim. We agree on something. Uh, even if a shop doesn't offer official gift certificates, they can write a little credit memo of some kind on a piece of stationery. You pay for that and then give that. But make sure it's to the, the mom and pop shops, the little guys, because those are the ones who have gone through hell and back during this ridiculous pandemic. And those who have barely survived, sadly a lot haven't, but those who have managed to somehow keep things going, keep the lights on, keep the doors open, really need your help now during the recovery more than any. That applies globally here in Malaysia, the UK, the US, Australia, wherever. Um, yeah. Buy locally, buy mom and pop stuff, wherever you are on the planet. By the way, speaking of the planet, is this true? Check this out. My friend Sean McCracken posted this, and I, I'm having a hard time believing this. Just so you know how big Africa is. Is this even real? This, you can see my mouse here. Sorry, if you're listening to the podcast, go to rumble.com slash jsheldon. You can watch the replay of the show. Um, this is Africa. They've taken all the different countries, well, not all of them, but a bunch of them, and laid them out inside of Africa. Seriously? Look at this. This big purple blotch is the U.S. This is China. This is the U.K., Japan. What is that one? I can't read it. <laughs> Eastern Europe, Italy. France, Spain, this is insane. Switzerland up here. Oh, baking cookies, Jim, another good idea. Bake cookies, so many wonderful things you can make from uh, Pinterest. 
hand lotion, brownie mix, all kinds of things. Really great idea, Jim. Very cool. Come on the show more often, would you? Put out some more ideas. I love these things. But yeah, I saw this before, and I'm going to have to look up whether this is actually a fact. But if that's the case, can you imagine Africa is that freaking big? That's insane. Wow. Unbelievable. Hey, I told you tonight was a collection of crap. <laughs> I, nothing is linked. There's nothing connected. Everything is just little tidbits of weird stuff I found. Here's another one. If I say to you, now, if you're in your early 60s like me, this would apply. Or older. Or maybe in your 50s. Maybe 50s. If I say to you 20 years ago, don't you think of the 80s? Just off the top of your head, think about 20 years ago. And you think, yeah, back in the 80s. Well, guess what? 20 years ago was 2001. Oh, my God, I'm old. Are you kidding me? 20, it, I mean, obviously, when you stop to think about it, 20 years ago was 2001. But off the top of your head, if you're my age, when you think 20 years ago, you think, yeah, probably the 80s. No, sorry, you're about 20 years off. That is scary crap. Unbelievable. <laughs> the fact that 20 years ago was in 2001 and not the 80s does not sit well with me. <laughs> that is insane. All right. One more. I got one more, then we're going to get to our book. I promise. We're going to get to our book. We're doing The War of the Worlds, H.G. Wells. We'll have that coming up. And uh, this kind of relates to that uh, because one of the many classic books we have read on our stream here, this is our 124th episode, by the way. Oh, my God. Yeah, you can go back. All of our episodes are there. They're on YouTube and they're on rumble.com slash Sheldon. Check it out. You'll find all of our 124 episodes there. But I found this today, and the reason I, I cued into it was because we have read Peter Pan on this show by Sir J.M. Barry, And uh, I did not know this. I wish I did when we were reading the book. When Sir J.M. Barry passed away in 1937, he left the rights to his most famous character, Peter Pan, to a local children's hospital and those rights have helped fund that hospital ever since that's incredible how nice is that wow yeah sir j m berry his character peter pan he left the rights to a local children's hospital and they have since benefited from that. And again, Peter Pan is one of the many classic books we've read. We did uh, The Little Prince. We started with The Wonderful Wizard of Oz. These are all the original books, not the movie versions or the updated versions. But um, yeah, they are the actual original books that we've done. And um, oh, you like The War of the Worlds, huh? This is weird. It, the book is very different from any of the versions from... H.G. Wells, or any of the versions from like Orson Wells, uh, you know, the radio play and stuff. 
But um, yeah, and he also said Africa is 30.37 million square miles. Holy crap. Okay, I'm starting to believe that map is probably accurate. Dang. Wow. All right. Um, among the many things we do here is we read classic books. We read them from beginning to end all the way through till we get to the end, and then we start another one. So, um, yeah, they're totally different from what you may know. We did the Jungle Book. We did Peter Pan. We did the Wizard of Oz. We did the Little Prince, the Velveteen Rabbit, uh, Alice in Wonderland, if I didn't mention that already. We get these from Gutenberg.org, the Gutenberg Project. They're all free. They're public domain books. You can download them in all kinds of formats, eBooks, Word doc, HTML formats. And uh, so we give a tip of the hat to the good folks at the Gutenberg Project. It's gutenberg.org. You can find all these books. Uh, so we've been doing H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. We're up to chapter 16 now, and we left off halfway through uh, chapter 16. So, nope, that's not it. Where is my, okay, we don't need the Malaysian flag. What else do we need? How about this one? There we go. <laughs> there it is, the front cover of the original novel, The War of the Worlds with H.G. Wells. So let's get into it, shall we? We left halfway through chapter 16. They began to meet more people, for the most part, these were staring before them, murmuring, indistinct questions, jaded, haggard, unclean. One man in evening dress passed them on foot, his eyes on the ground. They heard his voice and looking back at him saw one hand clutched in his hair and the other beating at invisible things. His paroxysm of rage over, he went on his way without once looking back. As my brother's party went on toward the crossroad to the south of Barnet, they saw a woman approaching the road across some fields on their left, carrying a child with two other children, and then passed a man in dirty black with a thick stick in one hand and a small portmanteau in the other, and then round the corner of the lane from between the villas that guarded it at its confluence with the high road came a little cart drawn by a sweaty black pony, and driven by a sallow youth in a bowler hat, gray with dust. There were three girls, East End factory girls, and a couple of little children crowded in the cart. This'll take us round Edgware, asked the driver, wild-eyed, white-faced, and when my brother told him it would if he turned to the left, he whipped up at once without the formality of thanks. My brother noticed a pale gray smoke or haze rising among the houses in front of them and veiling the white facade of a terrace beyond the road that appeared between the backs of the villas. Mrs. Epplestone suddenly cried out at a number of tongues of smoky red flame leaping up above the houses in front of them against the hot blue sky. The tumultuous noise resolved itself now into the disorderly mingling of many voices. 
the grid of many wheels, the creaking of wagons, and the staccato of horses' hoofs. The lane came round sharply, not fifty yards from the crossroads. Good heavens, cried Mrs. Applestone. What is this you're driving us into? My brother stopped. For the main road was a boiling stream of people, a torrent of human beings rushing northward, one pressing on another, a great bank of dust, white and luminous in the blaze of the sun, made everything within twenty feet of the ground gray and indistinct, and was perpetually renewed by the hurrying feet of a dense crowd of horses and men and women on foot, and by the wheels of vehicles of every description. Way, my brother heard voices crying, make way! It was like riding into the smoke of a fire to approach the meeting point of the lane and the road, the crowd roared like a fire, and the dust was hot and pungent. And indeed, a little way up the road, a villa was burning and sending rolling masses of black smoke across the road just to add to the confusion. Two men came past them, then a dirty woman carrying a heavy bundle and weeping. A lost retriever dog with hanging tongue circled dubiously around them, scared and wretched and fled at my brother's threat. So much as they could see of the road Londonward between the houses to the right was a tumultuous stream of dirty, hurrying people, pent in between the villas on either side. The black heads, the frowned, crowded forms grew into distinctness as they rushed towards the corner, hurried past, and merged their individuality again in a receding multitude that was swallowed up at last in a cloud of dust. "'Go on! Go on!' cried the voices. "'Way! Make way!' One man's hands pressed on the back of another. My brother stood at the pony's head, irresistibly attracted. He advanced slowly, pace by pace, down the lane. Edgware had been a scene of confusion. Chalk Farm was a riotous tumble, but this was a whole population in movement. It's hard to imagine that host. It had no character of its own. The figures poured out past the corner and receded with their backs to the group in the lane. Along the margin came those who were on foot, threatened by the wheels, stumbling in the ditches, blundering into one another. The carts and carriages crowded close upon one another, making little way for those swifter, more impatient vehicles that darted forward every now and then when an opportunity showed itself, sending people scattering against the fences and the gates of the villa. Push on, was the cry. Push on, they're coming. In one cart stood a blind man in the uniform of the Salvation Army, gesticulating with his crooked fingers and bawling, Eternity! Eternity! His voice was hoarse and very loud, so that my brother could hear him long after he was lost to sight in the dust. Some of the people who crowded in the carts whipped stupidly at their horses and quarreled with the other drivers. Some sat motionless, staring at nothing with miserable eyes. Some gnawed their hands with thirst or 
lay prostrate in the bottoms of their conveyances. The horses' bits were covered with foam, their eyes bloodshot. There were cabs, carriages, shop carts, wagons, beyond counting. A mail cart, a road cleaner's cart, marked Vestry of St. Pancras. A huge timber wagon crowded with roughs. A brewer's dray rumbled by with its two rear wheels splashed with fresh blood. Clear the way, cried the voices. Clear the way. Eternity, eternity, came echoing down the road. There were sad, haggard women, tramped by, well-dressed, with children that cried and stumbled, their dainty clothes smothered in dust, their weary faces smeared with tears. With many of these came men, sometimes helpful, sometimes lowering and savage, fighting side by side with them pushed some weary street outcast in faded black rags, wide-eyed, loud-voiced, and foul-mouthed. There were sturdy workmen thrusting their way along, wretched, unkempt men, clothed like clerks or shopmen, struggling spasmodically. A wounded soldier, my brother noticed, men dressed in the clothes of railway porters, one wretched creature in a nightshirt with a coat thrown over it. But varied as its composition was, certain things all that host had in common. There were fear and pain on their faces, and fear behind them. A tumult up the road, a quarrel for a place in a wagon, sent the whole host of them quickening their pace. Even a man so scared and broken that his knees bent under him was galvanized for a moment into renewed activity. The heat and dust had already been at work on this multitude. Their skins were dry, their lips black and cracked. They were all thirsty weary, footsore, and amid the various cries one heard disputes, reproaches, groans of weariness and fatigue. The voices of most of them were hoarse and weak, and through it all ran a refrain. Way! Make way! The Martians are coming! Few stopped and came aside from that flood. The lane opened slantly into the main road with a narrow opening and had a delusive appearance of coming from the direction of London. Yet a kind of eddy of people drove into its mouth, weaklings elbowed out of the stream, who for the most part rested, but for a moment before plunging into it again. A little way down the lane, with two friends bending over him, lay a man with a bare leg, wrapped about with bloody rags. He was a lucky man to have friends. A little old man with a gray military mustache and a filthy black fraught coat limped out and sat down beside the trap, removed his boot. His sock was blood-stained, shook out a pebble and hobbled on again. And then a little girl of eight or nine, all alone, threw herself under the hedge close by my brother, weeping. I can't go on. I can't go on. My brother awoke from his tupor of astonishment and lifted her up, speaking to her gently. Carried her to Miss Ethelstone. So soon as my brother touched her, 
she became quite still, as if frightened. Ellen, shrieked a woman in the crowd with tears in her voice. Ellen! And the child suddenly darted away from my brother, crying, Mother! Out of the way there, bawled a coachman, towering high, and my brother saw a closed carriage turning into the lane. People crushed back on one another to avoid the horse. My brother pushed the pony and chased back into the hedge. The man drove by and stopped at the turn of the way. It was a carriage with a pole for a pair of horses, but only one horse was in the traces. My brother saw dimly through the dust that two men lifted out something on a white stranger, a stretcher, and put it gently on the grass beneath the private hedge. One of the men came running to my brother. "'Where is there any water?' he asked. "'He's dying fast and very thirsty. "'It's Lord Garrick.' "'Lord Garrick,' said my brother. "'The Chief Justice.' "'The water?' he said. "'There may be a tap,' said my brother. "'In some of the houses we, we have no water. "'I dare not leave my people.' "'The man pushed against the crowd "'towards the gate of the corner house.' Go on, said the people, thrusting at him. They're coming. Go on. And then my brother's attention was distracted by a bearded, eagle-faced man lugging a small handbag, which split even as my brother's eyes rested on it, and disgorged a mass of sovereigns that seemed to break up into several coins as it struck the ground. They rolled hither and thither among the struggling feet of men and horses, the man stopped and looked stupidly at the heap, and the shaft of a cab struck his shoulder and sent him reeling. He gave a shriek and dodged back, and a cartwheel shaved him narrowly. Way! cried all the men about him. Make way! So soon as the cab had passed, he flung himself with both hands open upon the heap of coins and began thrusting handfuls into his pockets. A horse rode close upon him, and in another moment, half rising, he'd been borne down under the horse's hooves. Stop! screamed my brother, pushing a woman out of his way, he tried to clutch the bit of the horse. Before he could get to it, he heard a scream under the wheels, and saw through the dust the rim passing over the poor wretch's back. The driver of the cart slashed his whip at my brother who ran round behind the cart. The multitudinous shouting confused his ears. The man was rising and writhing in the dust among his scattered money, unable to rise, and the wheel had broken his back. His lower limbs lay limp and dead. My brother stood up and yelled at the next driver, and a man on a black horse came to assist. Get him out of the road, said he. And clutching the man's collar with his free hand, my brother lunged him sideways. But he was still clutching after his money and regarded my brother fiercely, hammering at his arm with a handful of gold. Go on, shouted angry voices behind. Make way, way! There was the smash as the pole of a carriage crashed into the cart the man on horseback had stopped. My brother looked up, and the man with the gold twisted his head round and bit the wrist that held his collar. There was a concussion, 
The black horse came staggering sideways, and the cart horse pushed beside it. A hoof missed my brother's foot by a hair's breadth. He released his grip on the fallen man and jumped back. He saw anger change to terror on the face of the poor wretch on the ground, and in a moment he was hidden, and my brother was borne backward and carried past the entrance to the lane and had to fight hard in the torrent to recover it. He saw Mrs. Ethelstone covering her eyes, and a little child, with all a child's want of sympathetic imagination, staring with dilated eyes at a dusty something that lay black and still, ground and crushed under the rolling wheels. Let us go back, he shouted, and began turning the pony around. We cannot cross this hell, he said. And they went back a hundred yards the way they'd come until the fighting crowd was hidden. As they passed the bend in the lane, my brother saw the face of the dying man in the ditch under the privet, deadly white and drawn, and shining with perspiration. The two women sat silent, crouching in their seat and shivering. That's where we're going to end it for tonight. This chapter 16 is a big one. That description of try people trying to get away from the Martians leaving London, incredible. Wow. Amazing. All right, my friends, that is going to do it for another live stream and podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I will uh, see you again on Monday night. We'll continue reading the book. And we're uh, getting towards the last half of The War of the Worlds. Quite an interesting uh, interesting read. And uh, we also have some special stuff coming up for Halloween. That'll be in a, a little while. A few shows down the road. And uh, Jim, uh, Serena, I assume you've left by now, but thank you for uh, popping by. And you're right, it's beer 30 somewhere. <laughs> and Jim says one last thing. You realize we were in our 30s or early 40s when we first met in Key West. Indeed, it has been a privilege to call you friend. Those were the days. You are so right. Those were the days. So hopefully you will make these the new days. That's for everyone out there. Thanks for joining. Patreon.com slash Sheldon if you'd like to help support the show. We haven't plugged that much tonight, but please do stop by and give a little something over there. Sign up for a subscription. Patreon.com slash Sheldon. I'll see you on Monday night. Meantime, I'm Jay Sheldon. I'm not wearing pants. Good night, folks. <laughs>